Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You're listening to DraftKings Network. This is the GM Shuffle. I've been on record of saying that. Josh is a really, really smart football person, one of the smartest people I've been around. Unfortunately, you know, that intelligence and that ability to communicate has not manifested itself in his head coaching opportunities. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos. A lot to go over this week in the National Football League. The trade deadline has come and passed. We saw a number of guys getting traded, but of course, the biggest news, the news that hit the wire Tuesday night as I was about to go to bed there, the Las Vegas Raiders firing head coach Josh McDaniels, general manager Dave Ziegler, and then the offensive coordinator Mick Lombardi, who Michael, of course, is your son there. Uh, obviously a, t- a tough time yep. this week here for the Las Vegas Raiders. Big changes to come, but uh, I guess for this for this news, it's like how did we get here, and I guess what did you make of what happened earlier this week? Well, I, I think, you know, we get here because there's always expectations, and I think ultimately if you don't manage expectations correctly – you know, you're going to have issues. I mean, Josh has been on the hot seat for whatever reason since his first year. I mean, last year they were calling for him to get fired. I mean, there has been a political groundswell to get him fired. And and so the only way to stop that groundswell is to win and to win close games. And that's something they couldn't do last year. And then when they made the change from Carr to another to the quarterback, you know, they've gotten worse, which you kind of knew it would happen because you're not – drafting a quarterback to start off with. I I think, to me, 
when I go through this, and, and, I, and I say this, and I say this to Josh, too, because I like Josh, and I think Josh was going to be a very successful head coach. I've been on record of saying that. Josh is a really, really smart football person, one of the smartest people I've been around. Unfortunately, you know, that intelligence and that ability to communicate has not manifested itself in his head coaching opportunities. And so he's not been able to make it through the second year of a head coaching opportunity, which has been really unfortunate for him and his career because his mind is sharp. He understands things. But when you don't, when the area of your expertise, which is makes Brendan Staley remarkable, doesn't shine, then you become the target, right? Then you become the target. And look, I think one of the things I've said forever, going back to when I did the first podcast, the GM Street on Bill Simmons Network, and mm -hmm. uh, we talk about all the things that I believe make a football team or how to build a team. I've always said the last position you fix on the team, and this is a quote from Bill Walsh, not from me, but this was ingrained into my head and I preach it every year at the draft. And I think the Raiders are the perfect example of what Coach Walsh was talking about, is when you fix the receiver position first with a great player and the rest of your team isn't good enough, you're done. You're in trouble. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, they didn't fix either line. They haven't fixed either offensive or defensive line. The Chandler Jones thing didn't work out. You know, they don't take Jalen Carter in the first round. They take Wilson, who's not been able to get on the field very much. They're not good defensively up front. They're not good offensively up front. And so, you know, when you see this, you say, okay, like that's not the art of team building. And I think ultimately what you want to give your fan base is some hope, right? You want to be able to say, we've got this young quarterback. We're going to lose, but we got this young quarterback. And they couldn't do that because they decided to play Bob uh, – uh, you know, uh, Brian Hoyer against Chicago, which I think was all the ultimate downfall, really. Mm -hmm. I think that decision just made every other decision come to surface. And it's unfortunate, you know, and for my son, look, we're not filming a Hollywood movie here. You know, great coaches get fired. It's a great learning experience for him. I mean, he's been very fortunate to be in a position that he was in, and he learned a lot of football from a really good offensive coach that the fans don't know how good of a coach he is. And so this is only going to benefit him moving forward. Like people are calling up, oh, I'm sorry about your son. Look, you know, this is to quote the great Hyman Roth. This is the business we've chosen and mm. we're all going to get fired. Bill Belichick's been fired. Paul Brown's been fired. You know, coaches get fired, but it doesn't matter what you do when you get fired. It matters how you react to getting fired. And I think that Mark Davis, who has been very impatient, and probably doesn't really understand the root problem of his team, uh, is quick to pull the pin. And he, there was no evidence to support that he shouldn't have, right? There was no yeah. evidence to support that he shouldn't have. There's no, you, you know, I say this all the time. We have to develop confidence without evidence. And that's a hard thing to do in pro football. And sometimes the evidence doesn't necessarily relate to the scoreboard. And I, and I think ultimately that that is what causes these problems. And you can't argue with his decision because you knew when you went in there that he has a quick trigger. I mean, it's just a fact. He's not going to – he didn't have one with Gruden because I think there was a genuine love of Gruden. And the mm -hmm. media loves Gruden. So he wasn't getting harped on about Gruden, right? Even though 
you know, when you go back and look at their drafts under the Gruden Mayock administration, you know, there's Jacobs and there's Colton Miller. And then, of course, there's the great Max Crosby. But other than that, it's there are a lot of misses, and they gave up some players for it. But nobody cares about that, Femi. Nobody cares. Nobody's looking at that. They're looking at what have you done. Yeah, a lot to uh, take away from what you said. There. I think, honestly, from like a, a life lesson standpoint, the note that you brought up about how like, it's how you respond after you get fired, I think that's a great lesson for all people in all walks of life, whatever you're doing there. I think that's like, because like, like eventually we're all like, like, I've been laid off from a job before. Like, it's just like, it, it happens to everybody. Obviously, this is not the NFL where I got laid off, but like, it happens to everyone. So I think from a life lesson standpoint, that's a really good lesson there. But I'm glad that you hit on the Devontae Adams trade, though, because that's the one that I kind of circled as to where like sort of the wheels sort of fell off here. And it kind of signifies what the misevaluation was, not just from the Raiders front office, whether it was Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels, the first thing that they do when they get there, but also from the fans' expectations, from Mark Davis's expectations of making the playoffs in 2021. In my opinion, there's a difference between making the playoffs and being a playoff team. I think that misevaluation is what kind of led to that Adams trade and ultimately led to sort of where we've gone here, where they get the wide receiver, but they don't really have the foundation to where the wide receiver can then be successful. Yeah, I mean, look, they've had two seasons in the last 21 where they've made the playoffs. They were both wild cards, and they lost both games. They've had two seasons in the last 21 years where they have been ahead of the point differential. The one year they went 8-8, eight and eight, they were ahead point differential. And then the year they went to the wild card with Jack Del Rio, they were ahead of point differential. Other than that, they've been behind. I mean, the year they went to the playoffs, they were minus 33 in point differential. Like John Gruden's first year, they were minus 177 in point differential. Like, this is not a talented team. And in fairness to everybody who's come in, they have not done a good job, including the Ziegler-McDaniels administration, have not done a good job of adding players to the team. Not blaming anybody, but you got to be objective here. you got to look at this and say, okay, this is not a talented team. They're very slow on defense. They have no coverage guys in the back end. Like, where are their blue-chip players, you know? And I thought they did a hell of a job keeping that game as tight as they did against Detroit. But when your quarterback can't complete a high school pass, you know, this rhetoric about, oh, my God, you know, they're not getting the ball to Devontae Adams. Well, stop with the bullshit, please. Yeah. He's open twice down the field, and you and they're high school throws, and you don't make them. You know, and Jimmy looks like he's worried about getting hit, right? He, mm. It's really – it's true. So, you know, to me, look, if I ever have another meeting with an owner, this is what I would tell him, okay? Look, I don't really give a shit – what anybody in your analytic department thinks, I don't give a shit about anything other than these three things. We're going to do everything in our power to get a quarterback. That's one. And we're going to spend all our resources on offensive and defense alignment. And then we're going to fill in everything else. Okay, that's it. So let's get that straight. So when everybody's telling us to draft a receiver or trade for Devontae or do this, like we're going back to this formula. This works. It works under time and memorial. It's not failed. And the more you want to stray from it, God bless you. Now, you need corners? Seriously? You know, you need corners? Okay, great. Yeah, we need some, but we need rushers. We need to affect the quarterback. And we need to protect the quarterback. And we need a quarterback. Other than that, I don't really care about anything else. We'll find every other position. We will find it. And I think, to me, this is a lesson. You know, one of the things you... You learn in life is for my son and my other sons, Matthew's still there. And so you learn what to do and you learn what not to do, right? Mm -hmm. And as you go through this journey of coaching and scouting and all that, 
you can make notes. Like one of the great things that I always said during my career was there was jobs you can make a difference in and jobs you can grow from. And when you're in a job you can grow from, you got to take really good notes and you got to look at what's going on. And I'm not saying be disloyal, but you got to say, okay, I wouldn't do that. Like that's something I wouldn't want to repeat because when Belichick came to Cleveland, he came with his own beliefs based on his past experiences. And so when he handed me that sheet of paper of what he wanted, that wasn't he got from somebody else. That was lived. That was, that was earned through time. And Mick, my son, and Matthew, my, they're going to learn all that. Like, and they should be thankful that they've had this incredible opportunity by Josh, which I'm very thankful for. But there's lessons to be learned here on what didn't happen. If you just sit there and say, if you sit there and say, well, Antonio Pierce got us fired or, you know, Champ, uh, Champ, Champ Kelly, Kelly got us fired or Mark Davis is insane. You, you, you're, you're not growing. You're not growing. I, I made that mistake, right? I've made that mistake. You know, Springsteen has this great song about the mistake. He doesn't want to pass on the mistakes uh, of his of his of his past to his children. Mm-hmm. That's that's the goal we all long time coming. The song is that's the goal of what we all want to do, right? Mm-hmm. And I always remind my boys of that. So when you do that, you do that. You have to be able to say, "Look, this is what happens." And you didn't get fired because somebody went behind you. You got fired because these are the things that didn't work, and you grow from them. And you grow because nobody's going to care three weeks from now that you got fired. Nobody cares. What, what matters from this point forward is how do, you, how do you do an autopsy on what happened? How do you understand what went down? And you make notes and you learn. Yeah, no, I think it's a great learning lesson there for a lot of people. And I thought it was interesting because Josh, Mc, not Josh McDaniels, but Mark Davis, the owner for the Las Vegas Raiders, was in the athletic. He spoke with them about the firing and all that stuff. And he talked about how when he was looking for a head coach in 2021, like he really wanted Josh McDaniels. He said that this is a guy who's a great kind of offensive mind. But it was kind of what we've discussed here on the GM Shuffle podcast. And I know we did it with the Literature and Leadership Series. Is that like you don't want to begin with the end in mind when you're making a decision. And that's sort of what he did here. And he was quoted in the article saying that this time I don't really have anybody in mind that would potentially prejudice my thinking. My thought process is wide open, trying to avoid the mistake of beginning with the end in mind there when they hired Josh. Josh McDaniels. There's a lot to peel back from from the Raiders standpoint, what they end up doing going forward. We'll have that discussion obviously later on in the offseason. But right now, interim head coach Antonio Pierce and then the interim general manager is is uh, Kelly, Champ Kelly for the Las Vegas Raiders. We'll continue more on the GM Shuffle on the other side. All right, anytime you're on the golf course, you always hear the phrase, hit it long and hit it straight. Well, as somebody who's a novice to the game of golf, a new person, I wanted to make sure I had the best equipment possible. So, as a novice golfer, I went and hit up our friends over at PXG because they have an all-new driver called the Black Ops. I mean, my man Chris over in Henderson has hooked me up with a phenomenal driver that's built to my game. My new game that doesn't really do much of anything on the course, but... It has what I need in terms of the club head speed and the kind of grip that I need to go out there and be the best to my ability. I mean, this is music to ears to any golfer, whether you're a novice like myself or if you've been playing the game for decades. The PXG Black Ops 
driver is breakthrough in driver technology. It's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering, unlike anything you've ever seen before. Black Op drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10,000 plus for unreal forgiveness. That's just ridiculously high. So what you got to do, go check out the PXG Black Ops Driver. You'll be as impressed with it as I am. Learn more and get free shipping on all equipment at pxg.com slash gmshuffle and use code gmshuffle at checkout. That's pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle for free shipping on all equipment, pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle. Well, whenever Mark Davis decides to hire a new head coach and new general manager, Michael, it will be his sixth full-time head coach since 2011 and his fourth full-time general manager since that time span as well. There's been a lot of, obviously, the Raiders organization, a proud organization, like commitment to excellence, Al Davis, like everything that we knew growing up, like this thing has been in a lot of influx here over the last decade plus now. And for Raider fans, like, so you feel bad. Yeah. It's like you wish that they can get this thing on track here. But it's that's a lot of turnover in just a decade I, I, time. I don't really think i don't think mark i don't think mark understands his dad what his dad was about i mean i know he respects and loves his father but i don't think he understands how his dad built an organization and you know and and from every hire it just it seems like that's the case and i think he's kind of looking searching for that magic wand you know and he's like look it's it's always about you know when you're trying for a quick fix or you're trying to do something that doesn't really work, you've got to be able to, it, it's a sense of, it's like when, when people are saying, we're going to fix this thing and turn it around, they, they really are, what they're saying is they want to avoid responsibility in any discipline because there's really no mm. quick fixes, right? So like if you're Antonio Pierce and you're in this situation that you're in, you're in survival mode, right? And what do you do when you're in survival mode? You have to maintain your composure. You've got to be patient and you've, and you've got to be able to use common sense, and I think that's where Mark's, that's the three things Mark needs to do is use composure, be patient, and use common sense whenever he gets the next guy. But the next guy, to me, the, 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 the next thing that has to happen is Mark needs to sit down there at, 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 at one of the, wherever he goes and has dinner and say, okay, this is who I want to be as a team. See, the, this is what's missing is father branded the team. We are going to have size and speed. We are going to be physical. We're going to have this, right? And so when you hire in Gruden, who never adhered to that principle, when you hire Del Rio, who didn't even know it, when you hire people that don't understand it, and then the GM doesn't understand it, then it becomes a really a pro you're, you're not getting an identity. And so teams that have gone through six coaches, teams that have gone through four general managers, they've not had an identity because the owner hasn't given you one. You know, the owner hasn't given you one like Mark could use like he needs a course in how to be an owner, because what he should do is real simple. He should sit down and say, this is the kind of team I want. It has nothing to do with scheme now. It has nothing to do with this mm -hmm. is the kind of team I want. This is the kind of this is what I believe in. You know, this is how I see the game. And remember, it's never about one thing, right? Like, this is the team I want. This is the way I want to do it. I want to be dominant in the offensive and defensive lines. I want to put resources into finding a quarterback. I want to have an incredible player development program. I want to value every offensive and defensive lineman. I want to, I want to do those things, and I want us to trust nobody. Use the great Ben Bradley quote. I'm in the business of having to trust people, and I hate trusting anyone. 
And I think that's how you got to move forward. And I, I think that's the issue. And so, you know, and, and you got to give your fan base some hope, right? I think yeah. when Josh started, when Josh started, uh, uh, Brian Hoyer, it, it took away all the hope. The team played as flat as I've ever seen them. And it was funny, Femi. I'm watching the game with Big Daddy, which was a tremendous treat, by the way. Oh, I, I could only, could only, it, it was one of the great treats of my life. And tonight <laughs> I got the Sixer game and I got another football game with him on my couch. It's oh, going to no. be just tremendous, right? So, oh, I, I wish I could tape it. I wish I could tape it. Stream it on YouTube. You know, and so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could get an audience on YouTube on this. But anyway, so when you watch it, when I was watching the Monday night game, and Aikman made the comment, well, I'm not defending Josh here. And Aikman was being really critical of the program, right? Mm-hmm. He was being very critical of no offense. You know, they can't get the ball to Devontae, even though he had a drop and they had a ball tipped at the line. They missed two throws. Like, like they're usually Troy's very ge- nice. You know, I, I said to Big Daddy, it's over. Mm-hmm. Like, I knew it was over after listening to that broadcast because somebody said to him, Hey, don't don't be playing this up. Yeah. You know, I, I that's the read I got. Now I can't prove that. I cannot prove that. But but listening to which I don't listen to very many broadcasts, but I had Big Daddy, I had to. Millie wasn't home. But that's the sense I got. Like I knew after that it was over. But I kind of knew after Chicago. You know, you lose to Jeff Saturday in the park. You lose to Baker Mayfield after three days. You lose to a rookie quarterback. You can't defend that. You can't defend that. As much as I love Josh, as much as I believe that Josh was going to be a great head coach, you can't defend that. Like, you've got to win those games. You've got to win those. And I think he would say the same thing. In mm-hmm. fairness, look, the only way we get better, the only way we get better is to say, here's what I screwed up. Yeah, it goes back even like early last season. I mean, I remember the Cardinal game with Kyler Murray running around all over the field, the two-point conversion, all that stuff. Like, that's a 20-point lead at halftime that you end up blowing there. Like, it's simply, and Mark Davis said it, he said, we didn't see the progress and we weren't confident that these guys, Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels, could give us that progress going forward there. And it's funny that, not really funny, but it's just interesting that Monday night was the last game they did it because on the Detroit Lions side of things, you talk about confidence without seeing the results. I mean, look at Dan Campbell's first, like, what, 20 games or so with the Detroit Lions where they're losing constantly, yeah, but, but he Campbell's was building that ba- confidence. Dan, well, no, he really wasn't building confidence. That they were so desperate, they were used to losing. There was no expectation. This Raider fan base is well, delusional. I mean, they actually think they go to the Super Bowl every year. I mean, they're delusional. They should be losing as well. I mean, they're 21 years. They've had two winning seasons. They actually think they're great, you know? And they went to the playoffs, and, you know, they had a minus 33, and it was the strike. Remember, it was the that year was the COVID year, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so, like... I mean, look, you know, you and and look, Josh came in with serious doubt from the Denver experience. Yep. And as soon as you, as soon as you don't turn it around from the doubt, if you don't start fast, like you lose that Arizona game, like you say, you lose to Baker on a on a two day thing, then you you got to say, hey, here's the deal. Now, there's a lot of stuff going on in his life that wasn't fair for him, and I and I understand that people don't know that, but to me. At the end of the day, the, the casual fan doesn't care. And there were doubts coming in, and then there's more doubts in. It creates a problem. And when, when the owner who's out in public, right, 
and he's getting ripped by fans verbally about the coach, there's only so much of that he's going to take. Like, they're going to stand with you for a while, but at some point they own the team. Yeah. It's a bottom line business. And then on the quarterback side of things with Jimmy Garoppolo, they've now replaced him. It's going to be Aiden O'Connell as a starting QB, the rookie out of Purdue going forward here. And with the Raiders, it's like you signed Garoppolo. Obviously, he was banged up. There was the whole controversy over the offseason about the physical, the failed physical and all that stuff. Eventually gets healthy enough in time for training camp, is the starter, but it hasn't looked good. And you, you said that he doesn't look comfortable no, in the pocket and like he like he just he's afraid to get hit. I don't know what's going on. Like I, I I've never been the biggest Jimmy fan, but I had never seen him like airmailing passes like he did Monday night. Two touchdowns to Devontae oh, Adams. I don't know what like, like is it just like is this a mental thing? What's going on there now that he's now going to the bench there with a lot of money expected as well his way? Well, I mean, I don't think it's about the money. I just don't think he's playing well. I mean, I, I think to me what's happened is is Jimmy played a little bit for for Josh in that system, and then he went away for another system. And I don't think that the system really kind of enhanced what he did. Look, the bigger issue, the bigger issue really at the end of the day is is in the summer, you, you when you saw your quarterback situation, you, you got to say, okay, we got to figure out how to run the football. We got to run the ball. You know, and we got to put everything we possibly can into understanding how to run the ball, and they couldn't do that. I mean, last week against Detroit, they actually could run the ball. They just didn't run it enough. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, look, I think to me, when you're – you know, they did, they did not add anybody to the offensive line. You know, that Colton Miller's still their best tackle. Luminor, all these guys they have in the line, they're just not good enough. And so you're never going to beat Kansas City with that line. You're never going to beat a good team. And so the priorities are just not there. You give up a first-round pick for a receiver, you can't get them the ball. You don't you can't even when they had Carr, they couldn't get them the ball. So you got this disgruntled player in your room. It goes back to why do you think Walsh didn't want to take the receiver until the team was ready? Because he knows receivers' mentality. I want the ball. I want the ball. I want the ball. And if I can't get you the ball, you create a problem. You create dissension in the locker room because you're not getting the ball. And and I get that. I get that. That's not the player's fault. That's the people who put the player in the locker room. That's team building. That's the art of team building. And I think that's the bigger issue. Aiden O'Connell, when he showed you what he showed you this summer – there should have been a conversation by Ziegler and McDaniel say, hey, maybe we should just play this young kid. Maybe we should just go with this young kid, and that'll give our fans hope. But when you put Hoyer in the game, you basically said no. And, 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 and look, the reasons are we're going to play the vet. He's not going to turn over. We're going against a rookie. Well, it, 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 if you win, okay. If you don't win, it's, it's over. Yeah. There's too much of a margin for error here. Yeah, and it was in the article of Vic Tafer, I believe his column at The Athletic said that McDaniels had kind of made a deadline for himself as the trade deadline to evaluate whether to keep Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler there. And last point here from a statistics standpoint here, from uh, this is for the Raiders. Each game this season scored 21 points or fewer, rushed for fewer than 100 yards, and had at least one turnover in each of their games. So, like, that's just like, – the, the, the numbers speak for themselves there is why they're moving on here. And it's a, it was a, a year and a half with the Raiders where I'm sure the fan base obviously fired up about this and, and not happy with the results, and the results are what they are. And there's uh, there was no progress, so we move on. And we move on to Antonio Pierce, and we have Kelly now as the general manager of the Las Vegas Raiders, the interim GM there. Uh, this week, now they play the, Ra- the, the New York Giants. 
tough game, obviously, with a, an interim head coach. But they are they are favorites, by the way, in the betting market this week. Against That's the shocking. New York Giants. It tells you about the Giants. <laughs> I mean, it tells you how, it tells how, you. how can they be favorite with Aiden O'Connell and a defense <laughs> that can't really stop anybody? I mean, give them credit, though. The defense played hard. Crosby they, they played their asses right? off. I thought I mean, they played their asses off Monday. If they complete – as bad as they are, if they complete the two passes, they're going to have, like – 270 yards passing. I mean, like, let's face it. At the end of the day, you don't get you 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 inherit a quarterback that that everybody in the building was saying we got to get better than him. And okay, you agree. You know, you didn't blow him out your first year. You didn't take that. But you, there's nobody. But you now you don't manage the expectations. And now all of a sudden you're playing Garoppolo, and he can't even play to the level he's used to playing to. That, that's the that that's the killer, right? Yeah. And look, one thing I know for sure, young quarterbacks give you hope. Carolina has hope. C.J. Stroud has hope. Tennessee with Will Levis. There's maybe no they hope. have hope. Yeah, maybe they have hope as well. Yeah. No, yeah, no hope there for the Las Vegas Raiders unless they can get Aiden O'Connell to start playing well and maybe things can turn for the Raiders. All right, we'll get to the NFL trade deadline reaction on the other side. This is the GM Shuffle. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, the second round of the playoffs have been absolutely phenomenal, and if you really like a team, you can bet on them for the futures markets, maybe some conference finals MVPs as the conference finals approach, or how about NBA finals MVP? And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, the trade deadline came and went, and it was actually a really exciting trade deadline in the National Football League. Mike, what deal jumped out to you the most? And I heard you were t- tweeting about that Chicago Bears deal there with Montez Sweat, oh but uh, what was your overreaction and uh, your thoughts on this trade deadline that we had on Tuesday afternoon? I mean, like, I mean, how can you not just go ballistic? I mean, I love these people on Twitter. You just hate the Bears. Yeah, I hate the Bears. Okay, I hate the Bears. Well, when you do something as stupid as the Bears did, you should hate them, Right. You know, I mean, like, look, you give up a high second-round pick, which, look, that to me, they're the most valuable thing you have in all of football is second-round picks. you got to hit on those second-round picks. You've got four years at an economic value. So when you trade a high second-round pick, which is essentially a first-rounder, okay, so every year, I know there's people out there that understand how to run the draft way better than I would possibly ever do. And I know there's people that have done it in their basement for years. But 
there's usually only about 17 to 18 players that have what we would call a first-round grade. And what does that mean? That means that player comes in and starts immediately. Mm-hmm. Okay, He is a starter. Doesn't mean in a position of need, but he's going to start and play at a certain level. Why you have to have a grading system. Okay, and then from that point, that point, there's just nothing but a bunch of potential starters with a higher degree of probability. But they're just potential starters. There's no guarantee they're coming in to start in year one. They're going to start in year two or else you blew the pick. But there's not a year one. So now you're picking 19, and all those guys that you have as first-year starters are gone. Well, what you get at 19, you're getting at 34. You're getting the same player. Now, to Mel and to Todd and to, and to Daniel Jeremiah and all the other draft guys, they, have, you know, they don't say it that way. But if you're in a draft room, that's how you're thinking. That's how you're operating. Okay, We're getting the same player at 35 that we're getting at 18, even though the media is making him out to be. How many times? I mean, I mean, look at A.J. Brown. Where have they got him compared to what receiver went in the first? Okay, so it, it's, that's the reality. So when you trade away one of those for a guy that you're going to have to pay at an astronomical rate to keep him on the team, he better be really good. He better be really good. You know, and I think Sweat's a good player. He's older. He's 25. He's in his prime. But you're going to have to pay him, and you don't get a contract on him. Of all the of all the players that were traded, right, most of them had their contracts redone. The team was like, for example, Leonard Williams, when he went from – he went from New York to Seattle. The Giants ate $9.4 million, $9.3 million, $6 million of the contract. Mm-hmm. They basically just ate it. Same thing with Washington did for, for Chase Young. They just eat the contract. Same thing that the Packers did for Russell Douglas. They basically pay it all, and then you, they eat it because they're getting rid of them. Meanwhile, the Bears take on the $6.6 million, Like, thank you very much. We'll take it. Like, $6.3. Like, are you serious? Like, what are we doing? Like, how are we building this team? I, I want defensive alignment too, but I don't want to overpay for one. Plus, I might have been able to get them for free in the open market. Like, what says I can't get them for free? What happens if Carolina goes on a five-game win streak and they don't have the first pick overall in the draft? And what happens if Carolina ends up with more wins than you have? I'm not saying it's, it's going to happen, but it could. Mm-hmm. And sweat ends up making you lose out on the first. I mean, like, seriously, what are we doing? Who's watching the store, Right. Like, Mark Davis knows he's firing Ziggler. Did he let Ziggler make a trade before the deadline? Of course not. Like, why would you do this? If you're Kevin Warren, why would you let these guys who may be fired at the end of the year, why would you let them do this? You just gave away a second round, an asset that's an incredible asset. It makes no sense. And again, it goes right back to what we argued about before, about the Watson. What's the safety margin? Like, what is the safety margin of this trade? And your, your answers are, as it relates to who your team is. If your team is a Super Bowl contender, there's different safety margins. If your team is a playoff contender, there's different safety margins. And if your team is struggling and trying to get some positivity, there are safety margins. And I've screwed those up. Like, I've screwed them up. Like, I, I had a chance to trade for Haley. I thought our team was in the third category, and it wouldn't have helped, but he would have moved us to another category. Sweat's not moving you to another category. The, look at the Washington defensive numbers with Sweat. Yeah. 
I mean, they were, they were horrific defensively there. Uh, Montez Sweat, 27 years old. He has six and a half sacks through eight games. So he's been productive so far this season. But my confusion with this trade here is the fact that they didn't have something worked out already prior to the deal. Because we see oftentimes when these deals happen, then all of a sudden the extension is announced immediately after. Like Bradley Chubb going to the Miami Dolphins or wherever. Like the Dolphins are like, hey, here's your contract. Now you're on our team. The fact that there was nothing like that for this Montez Sweat thing, it's like, I doubt that he's going to want to go to the table right now and negotiate because he can play this thing out here and then get on the tag later on and then go ahead and get a lot of money. Like, why wasn't a contract already kind of agreed to before they even pulled the trigger on the trade? Probably because they don't have enough time to do it. And then if you're Sweat's agent, why would you do it? Why would you do it? Because if you trade for me, you've given me all the leverage. So all the conversation is when you call me on the phone, hey, Ryan, okay, if you want me to do a deal, then take the three years of the franchise number moving forward, guarantee 75% of that total dollars, and I'll sign a contract. Are you doing that deal? <laughs> of course you're not doing that deal. They might have to now. <laughs> I mean, they're going to have to. Like, that's where I'm saying is, like, where's the safety margin? Like, we just put ourselves in the worst negotiation. Even if they get a deal done, it's going to be ridiculously expensive. When you could have had a, you could have gotten that deal done ridiculously expensive in the free agent world. Like, why would I give up a high asset when I could have over and overpay when I could have just overpaid when he's a free agent? Well, these people say, well, you couldn't have gotten him. When you overpay, you get him. Like, let's stop talking about this. No, well, he might not want to come to Chicago. No, no. One thing that since 1994, when free agency started, that has taught us in these years is money is green and players go to money. Players go to money. They go to tax-free states, and they go to money. I've I've worked in tax-free states. It's it's really nice. Um, But on the side of it for for Chicago there, so obviously they give up those assets. Now you pay him. They have a bunch of cap space, so I mean, maybe that's their reasoning as to why they feel comfortable paying him all this money here. But they do have those two first-round picks to where maybe, like we've said in the past on this show, this could be a general manager in Ryan Poles guarding his desk and feeling a little bit desperate, needing to bring in an immediate starter who can be productive. Like, doesn't that what this reeks of? Like, this is a GM that's looking to kind of save his ass, essentially? I guess. I don't know. I mean, to me, the job of a GM is to look, for the, look at the present and the distant future. That's the job of the GM. And the only way you really do that is you've got to protect assets you don't overpay. Again, you, 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 your job is no different than Warren Buffett's job. Warren Buffett reads newspapers all day long. He reads financials. He does all that. Your job is to watch tape and evaluate and assess value. That's your job as a general manager. Your job is to assess value every single day. What is the value of the player? And can I get this player at a cheaper value? It's called player development, right? If I, have the, if I can get a player, at, if I can trade my 40th player to a team for an asset and I have my 56th player replace them and I don't lose anything – now I'm talking about running an organization. But that's, that's how you have to build your organization. You have to have player development that allows you to enhance it. But well, you traded a second-round pick last year for a wide receiver. Like, what is, your, what is your objective team building? Your offensive line is a disaster. You, you're going to need a quarterback. Yeah. The, uh, the Chicago Bears. This that, was that motivated by the deals. coach. I mean, Eberflus... Oh. Eberflus is telling Poles, look, I can't run my defense unless I have a right end. i got to have a right end for my defense, and this kid gives me a, a left end or a right end. I know we played left end over at, at Washington. This could give me a left end. This could give me a right I need an end to really do it. 
Okay. Well, the Commanders also dealt Chase Young. This one to the 49ers here. And this was for a third-round draft pick, Chase Young entering his free agent season. He's been productive so far this season. Uh, what do you make of this Chase Young deal? Does this now elevate the Niners to where they once were defensively? Well, I think, look, Chase Young to me is a little bit of a, and I've said this to you before, you know, he is uh, he's a little bit of a media darling in the sense that you know, he's valued at a much higher by the media than he is by the teams that watch tape, right? And so, you know, he runs up the field too much. He doesn't close the gap. He does a lot of things you don't like. But I equated this trade to a little bit like when when the Warriors got Andrew Wiggins, right? He was supposed to be the best player in the draft. He's supposed to be all this. But he really can't carry a team. He can't carry the team. But what he can do, what he can do is carry – is enhance the team. And I think this is what he'll do. Look, they gave up nothing for him. They gave up the Rand Carthon compensatory pick for Carthon becoming a GM. I mean, they should send Carthon a bouquet. They should send Carthon. If they win the Super Bowl this year, Carthon should get a ring. He should get a ring. Because the, him taking the job in Tennessee allowed them to make this deal. And there's no risk in this deal. There's no, they don't have to worry about their safety margin. If they want to sign him to a deal, they can. If he goes somewhere else to a big deal, they'll get a third-round pick back compensatory, right? And with him being on the line, Lombardi, Vince Lombardi said this back in the 60s. Blitzing's a form of weakness. Now, this was before zone dogs and overload pressure and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But his point was when you have to take chances on defense, you're, that means your defensive line isn't good enough. Where now the Niners can rush five, okay? You can rush five, still play zone behind it, rush five. And everybody's got a one-on-one -on -one block. And Bosa in a one-on-one -on -one block is a hell of a lot tougher to block than when Bosa. Nobody's been doubling Chase Young. Like Chase, they've been blocking him. But now he's got a one-on-one -on -one with other guys in there. And that D-line coach at San Francisco is outstanding. Like, he will make a difference for their front. See, San Francisco, what you love about them, Femi, is their answer to every problem is we need another defensive lineman. Yep. We need another defensive lineman. Now, their answer, they don't fix the line because Kyle has been able to master his career without really having a great line. But, 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 the reason he's 0 for 39 going into the fourth quarter down by 7 is because that line sucks. Mm. That, that's the fact, right? His lines are never as good as the media make him out to be. And it's pr the proof is he's 0 and 39. Because when they have to play a drop-back pass game, they can't protect. That, that line isn't good enough. I don't give a shit how much they paid McGlinchey in Denver. Uh, Trent Williams is. Now, Trent Williams is a different story. Yeah, he's he's a Hall of Fame left tackle. Yep. He's legit. But the other four you can forget about. So, you know, I think to me, you know, the, the, this is the 49ers. When they, that's their answer to everything. Yeah. And it's the right answer. It's probably the answer for the Philadelphia Eagles as well, for both sides, offensive and defensive lines. And you wonder why they're really good each and every year. It's funny. Yeah. It's, not, it's, not, it's not quite the mystery so that we make receiver. it out to be. <laughs> let's get ourselves a receiver. How about let's trade for A.J. Brown? He's pretty damn good. We don't need a draft, and we'll just trade for the guy. And he's going to catch every single ball that we throw his way. Let's get to the marquee matchups on the other side. This is the GM Show. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. 
And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, let's go here. Marquee matchup number one, bright and early Sunday morning in Frankfurt, Germany. Dolphins, Chiefs. Right now, the Kansas City Chiefs, one and a half point favorites over at our show sponsor, DraftKings. 50 and a half is our total. This is going to be a fun one uh, over in Germany. Yeah, I, I think it is. But, I, you know, I think to me, this is an interesting game. I mean, the Miami offensive line, I think you got to, before you talk this bet, you got to really look at see who's playing for them because they were playing a bunch of backups against New England, and you go through this. And Mahomes is coming off. Think about this, Femi. Mahomes has started 88 games in his career, okay? This year alone, he's had three of the worst games of his career. The Detroit game ranks 77th in the worst game of his career, based on QBR, which is really the only thing you can use in this instance, right? Mm. The Jet game was the 84th worst game of his career. The Denver game was the 87th worst game of his career. He's getting pressured at an incredible rate at 23.7, which is the highest of his career. He's been hit 35 times already this year in eight games. Last year, he was only hit 56 times. He's got the highest drop rate by his receivers in his career at 7.8. He's got the best bad throw percentage in his career at 10.6. And he's got the best on target percentage in his career at 82.5. That being said, he's got the lowest quarterback percentage of his career, the highest interception percentage of his career, the lowest success rate of his career, the lowest adjusted air yards of his career, the lowest per completion of his career, the lowest passing yards per game, and his lowest QBR. So when you take all that in and you say, what's wrong with the Chiefs? You say, basically, the Chiefs have struggled to protect him well enough and get the ball down the field. I mean, last year the Chiefs averaged 12.1 yards per catch, right? This year they're at 10.8. They averaged 8.1 yards per attempt last year. They're down to 7.4. So they're dropping too many passes. Mahomes is on target. He's throwing the ball well, Mm -hmm. but they're not making the plays, and then they've turned the ball over at a rapid rate, right? They've turned the ball over. But with all that being said, when you can get Mahomes in a game less than three. (laughs) It's tempting. I don't know how you don't take it. Yeah. It's the, it almost reminds me of the Super Bowl last year where I was like, hey, like, I think the Eagles are going to win. And then looking back at it, I was like, damn, this was Mahomes less than a field goal. What the hell was I thinking? <laughs> like, you know, it's it, I, if I had to bet the game, I don't think I am. I, I, I think it would be Kansas City. Do you think the Chiefs win this game ultimately? Because I know like the Dolphins O-line had some issues, but their secondary is getting healthier. Javon Holland's back. Xavier Howard's back. Jalen Ramsey, bigger deal. He's back. He got an interception last week. He looked good. Uh, what, what do you think of his Dolphins matchup here? Do, can you take him or do you, do you think Kansas City wins? Well, the well, I, I think, look, the, the Chiefs match up against them because with Chris Jones inside, what gives Tua the most trouble? Inside pressure, right? Yeah. Tua has trouble against inside pressure. I mean, Tua's quarterback rating when the pocket's clean is impeccable. Tua's quarterback rating when the pocket's dirty, when, they, when someone's in the paint, it's not very good because he can't drive the ball down the field. The ball flutters. And, you know, and so I think to me, this game's going to come down to the front of the Chiefs. And the front and the Chiefs play really good defense. And they're able to they're able to get their hands up with Jones at six seven inside pressure in the pocket. I think it's a good matchup against the Chiefs. I think Mahomes won't play like he had played the eighty seventh game. I think he had the flu last week. Yeah, but they got to do a good job of protecting. I agree with you. I think Chubb's playing better. I think Wilkins is playing better up front. 
I mean, their front's playing better. David Long, if he stays on the field, gives them more speed inside for Miami. You know, but look, the one thing I know for sure, no one, and I mean no one in the National Football League is scared of the Chiefs receivers. They're scared of Kelsey catching a thousand balls. They're scared of Kelsey, but no one's worried about them because they would there wouldn't be a twenty three percent pressure rate if they were scared. Yeah, no, I can't wait to see this matchup. But also for the injury note for Kansas City, their linebackers, Nick Bolton, he's already out. But Willie Gay, look for that one on the injury report. If they're out with the, both of those guys there, maybe Mike McDaniel can take advantage of those second-level defenders there for the Kansas City Chiefs because we know that offense is, uh, is really prolific. How about in the city of brotherly love near your neck of the woods? Cowboys at the Eagles, Philadelphia three-point favorites, total 47. You know, look, I think to me, when you prior to the Washington game, I mean, Philly has played really good defense, right? Mm-hmm. And they've only forced two turnovers in the last five weeks. I mean, the thing that makes this game hard for your Cowboys is Philly's been hard to run the ball on. Yeah. And for the Cowboys to be successful, and I'll keep saying this, is Dak needs to throw the ball less than 35 times in the game, which means you've got to be able to run the ball, right? You've got to be able to run the ball. And what happens to you is, is if you can't run the ball and you put a lot of pressure on, on them, it really gets – it becomes problematic. And so for all the conversation about Hurts not being healthy, his numbers in terms of his bad throw percentage is the lowest of his career. He, he's – you know, his on-target percentage is the highest of his career. The problem is he's getting hit more than ever. He's getting hit more than ever. You know, he was only hit 22 times last year. He's already been hit in the pocket 18 times, right? He's already been hit 18 times. So there's been pressure on him, and you could see him when he moves around. But to me, this is a game about the Eagles front stopping the Cowboys and forcing Dak to play in the game and forcing Dak to play in the game. And, you know, and I think that's going to be the real challenge. And I think that's why you got to favor Philly and lay the, the line hasn't moved all week, right? Mm-hmm. I think you got to favor Philly. I really do because, you know, now one thing we know about Hurts when when he's facing against another good offense, a team that can score, this Eagle team's 8 and 10 against the, uh, straight up. When teams that can average over 24 points, they they're 8 and 10. But when they're <laughs> but but when they're under that mark, this Eagle team's 21 and 4. Yeah, this game, also Jalen Carter, he sounds like he'll be back. He wasn't in the game last week. I, I honestly think he's one of their two best defensive players, Jalen Carter, there for the Eagles. So maybe that, 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 that might have been why they were getting the ball moved I mean, up there, and down there's the, the perfect example of the Raiders, right? Raiders have a chance to pick Jalen Carter. It's a gift from heaven. It's a gift from heaven. But they're worried about him off the field. Well, now they're not even there to worry about him off the field. He's in another city. See, this is what happens to you. You know, when you don't define character the right way, or understand the character. Look, nobody, not all, defensive linemen, let me be really clear. If you want to have a good defensive lineman, you better have a lion tamer. They're, they're tough to handle. But when they get going like they do, you got to have them. You think Crosby's an easy guy to handle? Of course not. Yeah, he plays with an edge, that's for sure. I say that in a, po- I say in that a, in a very positive way. Yeah, no. Crosby, I mean, he's an ass kicker. I love watching him play. Sunday Night Football, Bills-Bengals. This will be a fun game. Rematch of last year's playoff game. Cincinnati went into Buffalo, dominated them. Bengals now two-point favorites, total 49.5. Josh Allen didn't practice on Wednesday. We'll see how he does today here on Thursday and progressing throughout the week here. But uh, is this another game where Cincinnati can kind of flex its muscles or will Buffalo finally stand up to uh, the Cincinnati Bengals here? 
I think this is two teams headed in different directions. You know, Josh, yeah, you know, like the, with the Buffalo defense, the way they're playing, you know, with the injuries that they've had. And Cincy, I think, to me, all my numbers on Cincy are wrong on yep. my model. Because really, you know, last week I, I wasn't anticipating them playing that well, and they did. Now, I think they need Trey Hendrickson back. He's got the ankle injury. You know, whether he can come back and play. Uh, you know, Zach Taylor says he's good to go in the game. We'll see. But I, I think to me, the way Burrow played against the way Burrow played against uh, the 49ers, I, I don't see how he's going to carve up the. I mean, I know they got Rasul Douglas, but trust me, there are other places to find on that Bills secondary. And if the Bills can't get pressure, if if the Bills can't get pressure, which the 49ers couldn't either, I think it's a hard game. And when you go back and look at last year's game, I mean, look. Mm. Cincy behind a bad offensive line got 30 first downs, right? They got 30 first downs. They ran the ball for 172 yards against the Bills. Nobody remembers that. 172 yards they ran for in that game, you know? And they converted six out of – they only were in third down 10 times. They converted six up. They held the ball for 34 minutes. 34, 33-54 they held the ball. So, like, you know, I mean, that was an ass-kicking. So that tells me they know how to play him. I mean, Allen had to throw the ball 42 times in the game, and he was sacked three times. Yeah, they, they absolutely crushed him. I'm, I'm sorry. I think he was sacked once for three yards. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But, yeah, they, they, they crushed him in that playoff game. And I, I like that you said that, like, your Cincinnati numbers are wrong, and I think that's where I'm at as well. Like, we pretty much have to just throw out the pre-bi-week data with the Cincinnati Bengals, like, because of the injury to Joe Burrow and all the stuff that they had going on. Like, it's a, you just have to treat this as a new team, and their one data point, they kicked the Niners' ass. So I, I think that, like, you kind of have to, like, recalibrate how you think about the Cincinnati Bengals. Let's get a couple more in here, though. Seahawks, Ravens. Ravens, six-point favorites, total 44. Wow. Yeah, this is interesting. I mean, this line just keeps going, going up and up and up. Now, we know Lamar is great against the NFC, right? Yep. I think he's, what, now he's 16-1 and one against them, but he doesn't cover. I mean, he doesn't typically cover against this. But, you know, this is a game, really, it's going to be about the first quarter. It's going to be all about the first quarter because the Ravens have a 16-13 to 13 lead in the first quarter, 62-13 to 13 lead in the first quarter. They're incredible. They're incredible. And they play from in front. And this Seattle defense now, just so we know, they've played well. But they have played a full game more than their offense. They've got 64 more plays defensively than their offense has. That's a full game. That's a full game. You know, so I, I think this is going to come down to can Geno Smith throw the ball with accuracy? Can Geno Smith make plays in the passing game? I mean, that's going to be critical. And look, you know, the one thing I think that we've – overlooked in all this talk about the Raven offenses, they still are one of the, the team that runs the ball the most. I mean, they run the football. They're good at running the ball. And they're great at third down. And Seattle's a bad third down team. I don't know how you could pass up the 32 point, the six points. I think it's too much. Mm-hmm. I think it's way too much, but I think it's something you have to look at. You know, I think, you know, to me, I, I like Lamar. I love him. But I think when you when you see it, you know, this at the end of the day, Seattle can play the run. And for all the talk about the passing of, of Baltimore, they rank 30 in passing attempts. Oh, by the way, have you checked on the greatest receiver of all time who's headed to the Hall? Have you checked on his numbers this year? No, I haven't looked at his numbers. <laughs> 14 catches, 11.6 yards a catch, 32 long and no touchdowns. 
I mean, that's you're getting good value on that contract with that no, those numbers. <laughs> you had to throw one last in there, didn't you? Um, to your point, though, I said this about the with the Detroit Lions when they were heading in to play the Baltimore Ravens about the Detroit defense playing better. Seattle's defense, the quarterbacks that they faced here since Week Three, Andy Dalton. It was Daniel Jones behind that battle line, hurt Joe Burrow, Josh Dobbs, and P.J. Walker. Lamar Jackson is a little bit different than that. Ouch. So I'm not saying to go ahead and bet no the doubt. Ravens, but I'm just saying that like maybe that would be the hang-up hey, before you're bullish on Seattle. All I know is the, big, the, the most incredible stat I've, I worked on today, Justin Tucker's missed three field goals outside of 50 yards. I, can't, I couldn't even believe it. I had to double look at it again. I mean, that's like 100 to 1 before the season starts, honestly. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> we'll talk to you on Monday. Thanks, uh, you guys. Subscribe, rate, and review.